0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Judging Freedom. Judge Andrew Napolitano here. This is my new podcast in which I get to think as I wish and say as I think and talk to whoever I want. Today I'm talking to a longtime friend of mine who's well-known in the journalism and libertarian areas, Nick Gillespie. Nick is the former editor-in-chief of Reason Magazine, now editor-at-large for Reason, and Nick hosts the podcast Reason Interview with Nick Gillespie. Nick, welcome to Judging Freedom. A pleasure to be with you.
1: Oh, Thanks for having me, Judge. It's it's always a great pleasure and honor to uh, be talking with you.
0: And, and I have to point out to those uh, watching and listening to us now, if they detect any edge in you, it's because you're a Jersey guy, not That's born right. in New Jersey, no. raised in New Jersey, not yes. living in New Jersey, but from New Jersey. Do I have that right?
1: Yes. Uh, you know, Brooklyn by birth, Jersey by choice, Judge. <laughs>
0: And now having exited the Jersey by choice.
1: <laughs> Back now, yeah, I'm talking to you from Manhattan, just a couple blocks from Little Italy. So, you know, we're keeping it real. As uh, the judge knows, my mother's family, uh, her maiden name was Guida. So and they were off the boat.
0: So right. Right. And I, of course, as uh, those watching us know, I'm uh, talking from my farm in <laughs> northwest New Jersey, about 75 miles from where you are. Uh, Nick, you wrote a, a fabulous piece for Reason Magazine recently mm-hmm. called Self Cancellation, Deplatforming and Censorship. And when I first saw it, I said, Yeah, of course, I agree with what you wrote because it's Nick Gillespie, but I'm only concerned with the government mm-hmm. interfering with people's freedoms. And then I read this piece and you really got me to thinking, Nick, about the subtle ways in which even private interference with personal liberties can, will, and is about to lead to government interference. So make the case, Nick Gillespie, against self-cancellation, deplatforming, and censorship from whatever source derived. Yeah.
1: So what uh, you know what I was trying to do in that uh, in in that reason cover story, you can read it at reason dot com is come up with a taxonomy of cancel culture, because it seems to me, uh, particularly libertarians, we are rightly chiefly uh, preoccupied with the individual's relationship to the state or a community's relationship to the state. Right. Uh, because government has, you know, government has the guns and it has more power than anybody else. But when it comes to things like cancel culture, which – and I use uh, Jonathan Rauch, the uh, great uh, free speech advocate, free expression advocate, talks about cancel culture as an attempt to isolate, to alienate, to deplatform, sometimes to get people – Uh, uh, get people fired from their jobs, kind of a concerted effort that usually to publicly shame people, usually using social media, not to engage ideas, but to punish and silence people without engaging their ideas. Um, You know, it it seems to me it operates on at least three levels. And one is the personal level. uh, The next level up is the corporate or platform level, and then the government level. And if we are only talking about when the government steps in, we're missing these earlier moments where people are policing themselves because of massive social pressure or political pressure, platforms, uh, places like Facebook and YouTube and Twitter are responding to, you know, kind of uh, gangs of people trying to silence, uh, you know, free expression. This happens all the time.
0: Let me uh, uh, let me just jump in right here. The, the pure libertarian position on this. Mm-hmm. And you you can this uh, in yep. the article is that the Facebook and Twitter and these other platforms are private property yeah. and they can do on and with their private property as they see fit. Right. The cultural argument that you make is, the more we accept and tolerate this, the more we will cancel ourselves in anticipation and fear of it, the easier it will be. Now we're getting into a bailing wick in which you yeah. might have lived our entire professional right. lives. The easier it will be for the government to threaten intimidate coerce chill free speech even if it does so without enacting legislation
1: right yeah and and in fact that's what we see happening you have people like um uh, josh hawley and uh and ted cruz senator conservative republican senators calling for legislation that would ban facebook twitter etc from moderating any cut co- for moderating any content uh, because there's, you know, so they're saying in almost any other case, they would say a private business has the right to do what it wants. You don't have to bake the cake. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. But now they are saying uh, in terms of social media, You have to allow people to speak even if you don't like them. Uh, On the flip side, of course, leftists are pushing for more government regulation. People like Elizabeth Warren are pushing for regulation of social media platforms because they don't police enough speech. But the common thing here, and from a libertarian perspective the question is, why is the government stepping in on all of this? Okay. And what I argue, and if I may, just in, what I argue, in the, argue in, in the piece and reason is that one of the reasons they're doing that is because we have lost a culture of free speech. We have lost an understanding of the value of free and open expression. Individuals are taking on cancel culture in their own minds. I, I go through examples where authors and musicians have canceled themselves And, you know, and they sound like they're in the cultural revolution of China. I am sorry I upset people and I'm going to withdraw from public conversations. Platforms then follow that. And then, you know, you end up with the government. And I I argue that we need to be pushing for as much free expression as possible in the public sphere of, of kind of debate and inquiry, because otherwise we get this world where we are just trying to enlist the government. You know, as our muscle to to push through whatever view of the world and the view of you know what what is acceptable discourse. I, th- uh, I so-
0: think everyone listening to us now or nearly everyone agrees with you, and certainly yeah. I do. And I understand uh, the left wing uh, argument because right. to to the left, putting everybody on uh, on the same playing field is more important than than personal freedom. I right. don't understand. And it's funny you mention Senator Hawley and Senator Cruz. They're both lawyers. They're both clerks for justices of the Supreme Court of the United States. They're both pretty smart guys. I don't understand what constitutional argument they would make. I'm going to have the two of them on the show to discuss this. Maybe you'll join me. I
1: I will be happy to hear what they come up with. But What could
0: they possibly come up with? What constitutional justification would there be for the legislation that these two senators have offered?
1: Well, what they're what they're going to uh, do, and they've done this in in proposed legislation, is to essentially argue that uh, Facebook is a common carrier like AT&T or, you know, the telephone company for younger people. Actually, I don't even know if people under young people under 40 remember (laughs) telephone companies. But the idea that uh, this is either a natural monopoly or a state granted monopoly. And as a result, you can't discriminate about what what kinds of things get said on a on a telephone network, it um, and like, we've
0: we've it seen like they you, have forgotten something called the First Amendment.
1: Absolutely, uh, you know, and the worst thing you can do, even more than or arguably worse than suppressing speech, is compelling speech. Uh, yes. You know, why should you judge have to have people on that you don't want to have on your show? But that's essentially what they're arguing and it proceeds from a bad philosophical or ideological position, but it's also, uh, just, um, you know, kind of pragmatically or in an evidentiary way is false. Facebook is not the beginning and end of public discussion. And the more we start to treat it as such, that it has to be regulated by the government because it's the only place people can talk. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and it allows for the government to expand, to say, well, you know what, this is a monopoly. This is a monopoly. This, we need to control all of these different things because uh, you know, enough people aren't getting to say what, whatever they want.
0: You and I have been uh, around the political class long enough to know that sometimes they say things and sometimes they offer legislation Right. for reasons other than wanting it passed. They may very well be doing this to curry favor with the former president of the United States yeah. who has a notorious public animosity right. toward Facebook because they canceled him. Yeah, and which uh, I go into- which You are, I- are correct because the Supreme Court has ruled that Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech also guarantees silence It also prohibits the government and any of its entities. I'm not talking about a witness on a witness stand in a a criminal case who saw a bank robbery, but I'm talking about public speech. The government can't compel it. It can't silence it. It can't modify it. It can't compel it. Now let's go to can it intimidate it?
1: You you have
0: uh, cited in the article uh, Cruz and and, uh, Hawley's opposite numbers on the other side of the aisle, who are threatening speech tell us about that well
1: you know at various points uh, uh you know uh, people like elizabeth warren have talked about breaking up and regulating you know facebook amazon etc um and because they are too big and they're monopolies uh in colorado legislation at the state level col- uh Legislation was introduced that would have created a commission that would make sure that no social media uh, uh, platforms were hosting hate speech. It doesn't really define hate speech in that, but there'll be a commission to do that. Uh, On the right side, you know, uh, Republican majorities in Texas and Florida have passed laws that would minimize the ability of social media platforms to uh, kick people off if they, tra- you know, if they transgress terms of service and things like that under under certain circumstances. So there's, you know, over 100 laws and something like three dozen states have been introduced over the past couple of years to limit the way that social media platforms or, or internet providers actually right. um, do business. And And again, you know, this is the thing is that people on the right and the left will start saying, well, we're not attacking speech what we're talking about is fairness and all of these arguments that have been recycled ad nauseum as a means of controlling speech i do think that the, you know the way forward on this is ultimately going to be cultural and not political in this sense um, i think somewhere in that article i know i quote him all the time there was a left-wing legal scholar named mark tushnet who told me once that the supreme court and kind of the legal world it, you know, it, it, we often think that the Supreme Court changes the course of history and law does, but it mostly, he says it mostly follows what happens. And the Supreme Court tends to be, you know, sometimes it's a little bit ahead of where the American people are, sometimes it's a little bit behind, but it's really the American people that change things. And so if we are going to have, You know, a 21st century that has free speech and open expression across all kinds of platforms, it's going to come from a cultural revival. I was very excited to read. I was boning up a little bit knowing that I was going to be talking to you, but the head of Netflix has just made a very strong free expression defense of Dave Chappelle, who has a controversial new special out on Netflix. Um, and, you know, this is what we need to see more of, of uh, people who run these companies, uh, content creators themselves, individual creators and fans and and readers saying, you know what? I don't even, I don't necessarily like everything I read, but I want to be able to read it right. wherever it falls. Um, I, I, so.
0: I agree with everything you've said, and I agree with Professor Ratushnet, who's a friend of yes. mine, uh, and it's well known amongst constitutional scholars. It's sort of a, a de rigueur statement, almost yeah. a truism, that the Supreme Court and and the courts in general follow society. Right. Uh, that first there's a cultural change and then there's a legal change, and then the court decides if the legal change is consistent with uh, the Constitution. Right. And I think you're right. There should be the cultural change. How did we lose our love for free speech? I mean, I, I know yeah. awful things have happened in wartime. Woodrow Wilson prosecuted young men in New Jersey for reading the Declaration of Independence <laughs> aloud. outside. Well, you know, of Judge, Stanford. as a
1: Princeton grad, you know, you you can feel that one. You okay. know, when uh, I when uh, I
0: wrote my book, called Theodore and Woodrow, How yeah. Two American Presidents Destroyed Personal Freedom. The Princeton University <laughs> Press wouldn't even accept paid <laughs> advertising for it. Fast forward 10 years, they removed yeah. Woodrow Wilson's name from everything on campus, not because right. he suppressed free speech, but because he was a racist.
1: Right, yeah.
0: But but the point is, from time to time, the government gets away with suppressing free speech and from time to time free speech is triumphant. I would argue having read your extremely well researched and articulately presented article. This is a sui generis situation. Hmm. This is culture itself making free speech more difficult. And the government is following culture. Ted Cruz and yeah. Josh Hawley and Elizabeth Warren can threaten all they want. If the threats get too powerful, then it's chilling. But right now, I don't think the threats have have reached that level.
1: Yeah. Well, although I will point out, I, and I point this out in the article, each of those senators has issued public, you know, letters and warnings to places like Amazon and other things. Like, why are you allowing this? I demand when Amazon delisted a couple of books about trans uh, sexuality, uh, uh, Hawley and Cruz and a couple of other senators said, why are you doing this? On the flip side, some Democratic legislators have done that as well when when their pet causes get upset. And there's something wrong with that. Why should senators care What is being published or what is being sold on Amazon? Uh, You know, it's insane. And it's an attempt to bully and harass people.
0: Are there any any purists on the left like you and I are purists who believe that Congress shall make no law literally means no law?
1: I think you know this is, and you you point out how did we get here? There's a generational shift going on, and I, I look at uh, people, and I quote them: people uh, older leftists, and by that I mean people who are north of fifty. Um, Thomas Frank, uh, Matt Taibbi, Glenn Greenwald; these are all older left-wing progressives who have basically rejected identity politics, but they are very, very in favor of a robust and essentially absolute First Amendment as, as far as free speech can ever be absolutist. I think as people become younger, what they have been told and what they've been brought up with by people our age, you know, people in the baby boom right. have started to co- you know conflate words with violence. Uh, they believe that people uh, ultimately this comes out of <clears throat> a kind of ideology that believes that people readers consumers of of culture are stupid and dumb and they just absorb whatever message is being sent to them and that words are like bullets and as a result the younger people are the more reliably they will say that you need to balance free speech and free expression with other concerns such as making people feel bad making people feel marginalized And we are now in a world where more people can say more things in more ways than ever before. We should never lose sight of that and we should always be celebrating it. But that means if you want to control speech you have to get more and more robust and um you know and and start employing the state as well as uh you know as, as well as cultural means and this Wait. is this is where the battleground needs to be fought i i begin and open and judge i will say this partly because we are both proud italian americans but i open and close the piece with a, a remembrance of lawrence ferlinghetti uh the great he was a patriot who fought in world war ii and he published howell the uh as the uh the head of city lights publishing in the bookstore in San Francisco, he published Allen Ginsberg's howl, knowing that he was going to be dragged into court on various obscenity charges. We have forgotten what people like Lawrence Ferlinghetti did to open up the ability of people to talk about what they want to talk about in a legal way and in a cultural way. And one of the ways out of this, I think, is to remember Ferlinghetti, who died earlier this year at 100 or 101, um, you know, and, 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 you know, hold them up as secular saints for free expression
0: because we need more models like that. You know, you're, you're again right on the mark and, and freedom doesn't come about by majority vote. Freedom comes about by a a small group of activists continually agitating for it, like the American revolutionaries who were fewer Mm -hmm. than 20% of the adult white males living in the colonies in 1776. Like the people who said to Woodrow Wilson's precursor of the FBI. You're going to arrest me for reading Thomas Jefferson's words in the declaration <laughs> of independence. Come and take me away. I can't yeah. wait to explain this uh, to a jury. Um, I, I do hope, I, you know, I think, I think you're right, Nick. And it takes yeah. a determined minority to light brush fires of freedom. I think I'm mm-hmm. quoting Sam Adams. Yeah. Uh, and to do so persistently. And the public will realize that, they are far better with freedom uh, than without it. Every, everybody it is our- better
1: off. Everybody is better off. And I also mentioned, uh, you know, Frank Kameny, who was an early uh, gay rights advocate, who was a federal employee who was fired in the late 50s, early 60s right. for being gay. And right. he ended up, you know, using free speech. He what What is amazing about him is he ended up getting a Medal of Honor from Barack Obama years later, uh, because he won all of his cases. Um, but the point of, of Kameny is that he was always against any kind of speech code, any kind of speech restriction, because he understood, and would we'll talk about this, you know, at length, that especially if you have unpopular ideas or beliefs, if you feel marginalized, you do not want the government to be dictating what is allowable and not allowable speech. And And, you know, you start with cultural change, you start with getting people to understand why it is in their best interest for everybody to be able to talk about what they want. And, and also, you know, on the social media front to let more types of platforms exist that might have different rules of engagement or terms of service. And, you know, that is something we need to, we need to get back to that moment, which I talk about in the piece in post-war America. I, I grew up in this, so I thought it was universal, but there was a moment where, People who wanted to express themselves said, screw it, we are not going along with attempts to censor us, to oppress us, to repress us, to suppress us. And they won. And that was a glorious moment starting in the late 50s through at least a good chunk of the 90s and early 2000s. And then you have, you know, wartime mentality where we got to fight terrorists. So we got to shut down all kinds of communication, as well as all, all these noxious theories of harm. That if you know if you read something offensive, you will you will be diminished as a human being. We need to fight back on that and recover the energy and the exuberance of of a free speech society.
0: You know, Nick, that was such a beautiful uh, summary you just gave. I'm going to forego the other topic we were going to talk about, and we'll do it uh, when you're on here next. But I'm thinking, if Barry Goldwater were still in the Senate. He would take those two young whippersnappers, Cruz and (laughs) Holly, to the woodshed over what they're uh, trying to do. And in that woodshed would be a tape of Nick Gillespie explaining (laughs) the values and merits and constitutional requirements of free speech. Nick, it's always a pleasure. Thanks uh, for joining us. We'll have you back uh, on Judging Freedom. You know, you're not only my buddy, you're one of my favorite guests.
1: Thank you so much, Des. I'll, I'm, I'm here. When, all you have to do is, uh, you know, tap my, uh, send me an email and I'll be there.
0: All the best, my friend. Thank you. And thanks for listening to Judging Freedom. Judge Napolitano here. Until the next time, my friends.